0: Hello, I'm author and psychologist Dr. Deborah Campbell, and welcome to the Couch Podcast. And each episode, we talk about building self knowledge and inner strength, and I'll answer questions about dealing with life's challenges. So if you have a question you'd like to ask, you can email it to me via the link in the show notes. This episode's question is a really tricky one, with no fast or simple path or solution. But, that being said, most questions worth asking aren't answered by quick fixes anyway. So here it is. Our request for help comes from Anita. She writes, Deborah, I'm not sure this is a suitable topic, but hopefully it might help someone else too. It is for me very much a source of pain and heartbreak. It started about four years ago when my son began to dislike me as his mother. I was only 17 when he was born, so my mothering skills and my maturity was lacking. He experiences anxiety when he sees me. He broke our relationship. But for a while I was fortunate to still have my beautiful grandson in my life. Then three years ago when my grandson was seven, my son said we'd have no more contact. How do I let that go? How do I overcome a loss of both my son and my grandson in my life? I know this happens to many people and we can't change others who wish to be estranged, but there's an emptiness in my heart that can't be filled. What can I do to deal with this if I can't repair what happened? Anita. Anita, this is a very worthy and suitable topic. Let's say that first. So thank you for putting your question forward. My heart really goes out to you. And you're right. In many circumstances like divorce, relocation, or other reasons for um, physical distance or emotional distance, grandparents and grandchildren can become estranged as well As parents becoming distant from their adult children, and it can be a terribly isolating and heartbreaking experience, especially for lone grandparents. And hopefully, answering your question could also help some other people. So let's look at it and break it down. Whenever there's something really big, it's good to take it down into some smaller parts. And we've got two problems here to deal with. First, There's finding possible ways to work towards repairing your relationship with your son and re-establishing ongoing contact on some level with him and your grandchildren. And second, how to keep going with your own life and deal with this heartbreaking situation if you aren't able, at least for the time being, to re-establish a relationship. What can you do to feel better if you can't make another person change, how they see a situation or how they're feeling. How do you cope in a healthy way with that kind of brokenheartedness? So let's start with attempts at repairing your relationship. The first one. I don't have information from your email about why your son decided to cease contact three years ago but you do say that your son feels anxious in his relationship with you and that's why he discontinued. This being the case, his absence now perhaps has more to do with his memories from childhood being overwhelming to him than it does about the real you in the here and now. So it's largely up to him whether he wants to face and work on that anxiety and possible distress from the past, or whether he simply isn't ready or doesn't want to do that, at least for the time being. And as you allude to, you don't have control over those choices. What you say is that you made mistakes being a young mum. And perhaps some of these mistakes lay unhealed for him maybe some of the consequences from that time still are unaddressed for him. Now, with the benefit of maturity, and hindsight, I wonder what you believe you would have done differently as a mum if you'd only known. Perhaps you would have done everything differently or maybe there were key events or important choices that in hindsight you'd change if you could. I wonder if there's an opportunity, Anita, for you to attempt to heal and address those mistakes and find some forgiveness now. Not just from your son, but forgiveness of yourself also for being so young and unprepared for the unbelievably difficult and demanding journey that motherhood is at any age. You might have tried before to apologise to move on with your son, but perhaps I have some different ideas to suggest or add to the mix. I suggest reflecting for a while on yourself as that teen and early 20s mum you were, your fears and your concerns. Were you lost? Were you sometimes selfish? Because as a 17-year-old, it would be unrealistic to think otherwise. What else do you remember feeling at the time? of having your baby, of being a young mum. I'd suggest writing for yourself, journaling all about how that time was for you. Put it all down on paper or a screen. Get it out of your head, out of your heart and onto an external place. Part of freeing yourself up. Then get more perspective still. Think of a 17-year-old you know now or have known, barely out of school if at all. How could anyone cope easily at that age with a baby in our culture? Write or reflect on how you feel now looking back at the situation and looking back on yourself. Get clear on exactly what you would have done differently had you only known and what you'd do differently now if you could have that time mothering your son again. Now think about whether you'd be comfortable putting A small amount of that into a letter to your son, along with an unconditional apology for all you feel you could have done better, had you known or been capable at the time. Acknowledge his pain, but without making any excuses for your own behaviour. Just own the facts as you see them, and offer your fullest love now. Ask for his forgiveness if you're comfortable to do so. Then, if you think it's appropriate, if it's time, ask for a resumption of contact with him and or your grandson. And ask how he would need it to be for that resumption of contact to occur. If he has conditions around that to make it feel less anxiety provoking, what would they be? And express your willingness To fit in with that, be giving. Be the bigger person in everything you say, in all your contacts, because that's what you always were to him as the mother, and you'll always need to be in his eyes. Even if we think an adult child has it all wrong and isn't being fair to us, it doesn't always matter. What does always matter is doing what you can as the bigger person. As the parent, to make it right from there on. I actually have an article that was published in a journal and also on my website that speaks more about the unconditional love that a parent must sometimes really bring forward, uh, even if it feels like a child's judgment is quite harsh. It can sometimes come down to asking ourselves, do you want to be right and justified in your own mind on an issue? Or do you want to have a relationship? Do you want to feel love and contact? The article is entitled, Spirituality is Useless Unless You Live It, because there is a spiritual element in the, uh, the life of the lady in the article that um, helps her with reconnecting with that unconditional love. There may be some parallels for you and you might find the article useful. You can find it in the blog at drdebracampbell.com. Now, if you decide to send a letter and you don't hear back from your son for a while, don't be surprised. Something that's existed for this long can take a lot of time and effort to change. So if you think it's appropriate because every situation is different and it depends on the feedback you get. You can try again. You can offer your apology again in a few months. Depending on your situation also. I don't know if you're sending cards and gifts on special occasions to your grandchildren. And and birthday cards perhaps to your son, his partner. But if you feel that's a good idea and not invasive, then I would recommend it, that you don't ever give up with that supportive token uh, contact. If they don't accept them, that is sad, but you can still be okay. If you need to stop sending the letters and gifts because they don't like them, then write them anyway. Keep them in a special place. Keep them for the day when they will see them, and they will understand that your love was tangible, it was ever-present, and you never gave up trying to show it. You weren't an empty silence who didn't care. Because love is a verb, it's a doing word, and your actions will show that the whole time you were writing your words down, you were trying to get them through, despite being blocked. Your writing will show that you were there in spirit and you never gave up trying to reconnect. So that's all I can say about trying to reconnect. Now for forgiving yourself, for finding self-compassion and self-support so that you can enjoy as much of your life as possible despite the reception your attempts at connecting might receive. Self-compassion will let you enjoy some good times in your life, even though your heart feels broken around that relationship in the background. There can still be good moments in your world from other sources and connections, and you need to develop those as well. To help a broken heart and build your self-compassion and forgiveness around mistakes from the past, look for love everywhere, every day and keep diving into it because love is the greatest healer, even for the loss of love. Find love in your own inner world through experiences of what we call flow. It's a term in psychological literature that means pursuing those passions where you are good at them and you absolutely enjoy doing them. So think about what are your passions? What do I love doing where time just disappears for me and I merge into the activity? Because these things are more than just fun. The passions of your life, be they art, sport, literature, gardening, they can be lifelines in times of crisis. Experiencing flow as much as possible is great for your health and your well-being in every way. And there's a lot of research now to support that. Another place you can turn your attention to that is bringing more love into life is to help other people. A great thing to do if you're feeling down or low in yourself or you're hard on yourself is to help other people. Don't overthink you. Just get out and find some opportunities give of yourself. Watch your inner language. What I mean is, would you lovingly encourage another person the way you speak to yourself in your own head? If not, consider altering your inner dialogue to more supportive self-talk. Check your self-talk regularly. Reflect on the things you replay. Do you regularly revisit mistakes, stories of the past that make you feel bad? Do you speak to yourself harshly about those things in in unhelpful ways that keep you trapped? Because thoughts are not facts and you don't have to let unquestioned, unhelpful thoughts hold you back and keep you going round in self-defeating, self-suppressing kind of spirals. Use mindfulness strategies to deal with your unhelpful thoughts if you're having them, rather than letting those thoughts dominate your attention and affect your mood. So that means, in practical terms, if you find that you tend to torture yourself internally with your regrets or self-criticism... When you notice it happening, see if you can bring in a gentler perspective, one that says in answer, okay, enough. This is not helpful and I choose not to do this anymore. Then you might visualize those unhelpful thoughts dissipating and leaving. You can Dissolve them slowly from the screen of your mind. You can visualize them floating away on a leaf down a river. You can mentally write them on paper and tear them up. Or visualize pulling their power cord out from the socket and switching them off. When you're applying these strategies, understand that forgiveness doesn't happen overnight unless it's about something very small. It's usually an ongoing process and it takes time. What you can do right away is stop confusing who you are now with past behaviour that you've already seen clear on, seen a better way and improved upon. And know that giving yourself some forgiveness, some breathing room is not condoning mistakes or bad behavior. It's part of separating the mistakes you want to change and improve upon from who you are now so that it's easier for you to gather your resources and come to each day from a position of strength and self-acceptance rather than always struggling out from under shame and self-judgment without perhaps even fully realizing how you're holding yourself down. Forgiveness is for the strong who wish to be empowered in their emotional lives. So it's worth doing. And if you want to read more about this and more about my own struggles that led me to understand these things uh, very much uh, inside myself as well as, as a psychologist, you can do so in my book, Lovelands which is available on Amazon and in good bookstores. I will also cover more on self-compassion in the next episode of The Couch Podcast. So listen to that one next. Thank you so much, Anita, for your complicated question that I hope I've given a comprehensive answer to that has given you some starting points. So let me know if it helps. And if you too have a tricky life question, I'd be happy to have a go at answering it. Just send it in in the link in the show notes. I'm Dr. Deborah Campbell, and I look forward to speaking with you again next time on The Couch.